Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. All right. The question for the day, or the, or the hour, or the minute, are you aware when you are being transformed? Okay, when I immediately hear that word transformed, okay, I got I to gotta be honest, my mind immediately goes to the transformers because I just been with my grandkids. And so when I think of transform, I think of transformers. As soon as, 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 soon as I said that, I was like, Lisa is going to say transformers. Yeah, it, you do immediately think that. Well, the reason why I even asked that question, um, because I, I don't know if you remember this, Lisa, but we, we have a friend who, she used to be a former dancer in the strip clubs, and she shared a picture one time, and it was, it was truly crazy. Her pre-Christ picture, she looked blank and lifeless. I mean, her eyes, it was just, there was mm-hmm. nothing there. And just the transformation after Christ, she, she was stunning and alive. And, and you just, you can't help but look at that and go, okay, are you aware of what's going on daily as Christ is transforming you? Or do, did she look at those pictures too and go, oh, wow, you know? I know. And you know what? We always love, I do, anyway, a a good before and after, whether it's like watching a home remodel or, you know, when you see those pictures. And I think we're all intrigued to see, okay, what was it like before? And and to see the remarkable difference. Like, you know, when they have those shots of people with, like, no makeup and then the makeup, the glamour shots, and you're like, oh, my, (laughs) you know, and and. We, we like that before and after, but it, the, the problem is we don't want to go through the process of, yes. of becoming the after. And I know uh, we, we have this conversation. We like instant gratification. It's like, don't make me go through the pain and the process. And, and so anyway, it's, it's, it's an interesting thought. And, you know, because we've been talking about this this week, getting ready for the show and all the different ways that we, we are transformed or things are transformed in life around us. Well, and, and also when you think of transformation, like many times, exactly what you said of the instant gratification, because people don't resist change. They resist being changed. And, um, so many times it's like, oh, I don't like change. It's because then we might have to work or at something, or, um, it puts us out of our comfort zone and, uh, it, but there's freedom on the other end. And if you're not changing, you really are, you're stuck in a rut. And you're not growing. Absolutely. So the, the um, opposite of what you're saying is if you're not changing and growing, becoming more alive, you're kind of decaying, right? Yeah, which we talked about that the other day, too, but we won't talk about <laughs> decaying. <laughs> no, we won't go there. Well, before we get too far into our show, you're listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. 
And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, today, since we are talking about transformation, redemption, just a change of heart, and uh, and and how all that takes place, we'll, we'll be talking with two guests. Do you like that? Woo, 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 woo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking with two guests who understand this process. And our first guest today is author Elizabeth Gifford. She lives in England, and because of the fabulous technology, hopefully, we are going to be able to listen to her insights from across the world. And um, she also talks about uh, her family divides this time between Kingston near London and, and Scotland, which a, a couple summers ago I had an opportunity to be over there. And I, I was actually in Ireland where you're just literally looking across the water and looking at Scotland. So I, I'm picturing that right now as we're getting ready to have um, our guest on, Elizabeth. And she has a degree in creative writing from Oxford and an MA in creative writing from Royal Holloway College. She's also written articles for The Times and The Independent. She is married to her very own illustrator, which is very convenient when you're a writer, I'm sure. And together they have three children. So welcome, Elizabeth. How are you today? Very well, thank you. How are you? All right, you're you, you're gonna um, really drive Lisa crazy because she loves English accents. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm gonna really make you talk today, so I can just sit and listen to your to your uh, accent. So I, I want one. So, but I don't know if I'll get one today. But <laughs> so, do you do you travel over to Scotland quite a bit, Elizabeth? Um, yes, my husband's a Scot. And uh, my son lives in Scotland now, too. So we've always gone to Scotland um, to keep up with family. We're a half-Scottish family. And then when we discovered the Hebrides, which are the quite remote islands, um, then we started going there on holiday um, nearly every summer. Hmm. Well, you know what? I'm, I just... Well, on my bucket list is to go to Scotland and go to castles. And um, I've been to England a couple times. Love it. I love the countryside. Love the history. Love reading all that. And speaking of history and writing, you have um, you are quite uh, quite the writer. And you have a new release, a new novel, The Sea House. And today we were talking earlier a little bit um, about just the art of redeeming and transformation and. In this storyline, you really kind of go at a different level with that. Can you just kind of um, talk a little bit about, like, how you really, like, how you got into this this topic with this book, The Sea House? Um, well, first of all, um, in the um, in the islands, um, just off the north coast of Scotland, the northwest coast, and all the way down to Ireland, there's quite a famous story about the seal people um, and also lots of um, quite well-documented sightings of mermaids. Um, So I thought that was very strange and I looked into the um, stories behind that and I met up with a local historian and he was explaining to me um, that there was some actual history behind that, some very old oral history. So um, I became very interested in this story of how um, seals transformed into people and mermaids. And um, and although, of course, it's only a story in a way, um, it made me think about um, relationships where people are very trapped in their past 
and it feels like they can never really make a home for themselves. So that's how this kind of mixed-up of um, stories about steel people and people who can't seem to find their um, place in their own home um, came about. Okay, I, I, I want to go back to that, um, Elizabeth, people that are trapped in their past. Um, that, that's just so interesting because, yeah, you if you're going to stay in your past and you're, you're not living in the present, then obviously how do you, how do you move on to the future? So what, what to peel back a little bit more of that, of how you're finding that people are trapped in their past. Um, well, I suppose when I started the book, um, I was quite interested in how um, two aspects. One is that I think um, there's probably a lot more undiagnosed, post-traumatic stress disorder than we realize, particularly in women. And um, it makes people overreact and not really understand their reactions to things. Um, and that can be brought about by um, an accident or um, hearing about a friend's um, sudden death, or it could be um, being attacked or um, abuse as a child and it just seemed very sad that people should go through traumatic incidents and then not understand or have the help um, to be in control of their own feelings um, because it's actually quite a simple process to understand um, what's going on once you realise that's the issue and then the other aspect was the idea of um, how you choose to react, whether you're, you stay a bitter person or whether you um, choose to forgive. Um, and part of that is really what we choose to believe about who loves us and how we tell our future story, whether we say, well, my story is really terrible and it goes on and it stops terrible, or we could say, you know, when I look at the bigger picture, there's actually somebody who really loves me and I can see, you know, a bigger picture and it ends up with me being a very um, blessed person. Um, and so I think the way that we choose to tell our stories I found very interesting. So in a way, the sea house is about stories. It's about fairy stories and traditional stories. And it's also about personal stories that you can choose to believe um, a certain thing about your life. And I think having a faith um, and having a, a belief in love helps you retell your story in a way that's just not sugar on the top. It's a very real way of telling your story. And being able to tell your story like that's quite important to the parents because you know, as a parent, you've got to be grown up and um, not go around looking for people to feel sorry for you. So um, that that's quite hard if you're feeling, you know, oh, well, my past wasn't so good. And sometimes it takes quite an act of courage to be able to say, well, you know, there's a bigger picture there and I can go out the grown-up and I don't need, you know, people to feel sorry for me. And that's that's quite a hard and lonely place if you don't have an idea that there's somebody or, you know, a, 
a greater force or, you know, God who loves you. That's, that's quite important, I think. Well, okay, you just said a lot in a short amount of time, and we're going to have to take a, a quick break and come back. And it, it's powerful stuff what you're saying, and you're saying it so, art, you're articulating so well. We want to go back and, and talk about that because you said, like, there's three, three kind of simple ways unpacking the past and choosing basically the story you want to tell yourself and tell others and how you're framing your life story and the power of love and to transform. And, you know, as we know, the process of change for transformation is really about the process of change from who I am to who I meant to be. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Martha Sanchez, the host of the Mobby to Mogul radio show, empowering women to build a successful business, invites you to join her on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. At the ripe age of five, she was already interpreting information in documents and instructions on forms for her immigrant parents. Now, through her experience and those of her guests, she provides you with valuable stuff to empower you to reach financial independence. Martha A. Sanchez is a registered nurse with a Bachelor in Nursing and Master's of Business Administration. She's a business coach, speaker, author, and CEO of Moss International, LLC. Her diverse work experience brings you expertise in areas essential to customer service, social media, and budgeting. The Mommy to Mogul Radio Show furthers her personal mission of empowering women to help them build successful businesses so they can reach financial Financial independence. Join Martha Sanchez, the host of the Mommy to Mogul Radio Show, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to our show. Our guest today, author of The Sea House, Elizabeth Gifford. We are talking with her um, about transformation, redemption. And I have to tell you, Elizabeth, um, part of the American culture uh, where I need my transformation is uh, I talk way too quickly and I listen way too quickly. As in um, just listening to you, I love that that peaceful tone in your voice and uh, the slow dialect. It, it causes me to, to stop and really ponder what you're saying rather than listening so fast. <laughs> so oh, 
I'm realizing where I need to be transformed even. Um, so you were, you were talking about um, just uh, how we get trapped in our past and just the healing that needs to take place. Now, you, you actually found a letter in the Times magazine, or tell us a little bit more about your, your new release, The Sea House, how you came upon telling this story. Yes, uh, there really is a letter in the Times newspaper, the Times London, reporting a mermaid sighting. Um, and the letter was written in 1809, um, so just over 100 years ago, by a schoolmaster. Um, and it took him a long time to send the letter in because I expect he was embarrassed. But, yeah, he really, he really saw a mermaid, according to him. So um, I thought, goodness, that's really unbelievable and so I started looking into it and um, I met a lovely boat builder who lives on one of the tiny islands in Scotland and um, he told me all about the history behind it the real history about these mermaid sightings which okay. was um, which was actually that um, there used to be kayakers coming down from Norway in little sealskin canoes, and after about eight hours, the kayak got very wet, and it would sink a bit under the water. So if you looked out and you'd never seen a kayaker before, you'd just see like half a little man, and just under the water you'd see this long pointy appendage that looked like a tail. And um, so that was probably the beginning of the mermaid sighting. And also they'd come on land, um, the kayakers, and they'd take off their seal skins and, you know, hey presto, they'd be real people. So that's probably um, this very old story about these selkies that goes all the way down to Ireland. And um, that's probably what's behind the real story of the mermaid. So... In, in in discovering this in the story about the mermaids, you you turned it and you created just this metaphor. Um, and what what are some of the lessons about faith that you have shared in in your book that we can learn from this spiritual journey? Um, well, I suppose the idea that um, the story you believe about yourself shapes who you are. So if you believe um, that nobody loves you, it really affects your life. But if you believe, even when bad things happen, that basically you're held in, a, in love, then it gives you more courage to um, make relationships and to grow up. Um, sometimes when you're trapped in um, bad experiences in your past, it's it doesn't feel very fair, but it makes it hard to act as a sort of giving, grown-up person in a way. And it's really just not fair. But it can take a lot of courage to step outside of that, look for the help you want, and become the sort of giving adult you want to be. And um, so in this story, it's about a girl who tries and tries um, to act as though her past wasn't affecting her 
and is actually not always that pleasant, not nice to live with. And but she has a very loving relationship with her husband, and um, in a way that that is a kind of reflection on how we are as people. That you know we we have this loving relationship with God, even when you know we're not always initially the person we want to be and you know through that love we can choose to change and grow up a bit but it's hard to do anything until you realize that in fact you have this incredible love as part of your story even if you can't see it through circumstances i don't know if that makes sense (laughs) No, you you have like Patty said earlier, you have a very calming way, and you, and it sounds very simple, and it totally makes sense. But it's so hard to put to practice because I I like what you say. It's a story you believe about yourself, and too many times we all we believe a story that's um, that's not true, but it's a story we believe because it's our, the story we tell ourselves. So if you for our listeners. I know nothing is easy, and it's it's a process, and change is a process. But you talk a lot about having courage and, and just receiving that love and knowing that you are loved. What are some things, uh, some steps that you would even like? You talk about we need to grow up, and how when you you know your kids got to be teenagers, you realize I have to um, kind of grow up. What are, what were some steps like in that direction to move into that direction that you would um, advise? Us and our listeners. Um, well, it's it's yes, it's very interesting. I think when you have teenagers in particular, um, it puts quite a lot of stress on you to act as a grown-up. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, teenagers um, make a lot of demands on um, on your love. Um, they they sometimes don't um, act as they they love you back, even when they do. It's a kind of process they go through. So um, I think you need to be quite calm. You need to listen to them. And I found at that stage when the children were about to leave home, um, I actually felt terribly anxious for them. I wasn't used to them going out and taking risks. And I found myself incredibly anxious. And um, in the end, I wouldn't let them have their freedom. Um, so I had to go and actually visit the doctor and say, you know, I'm really anxious. I can't seem to control this anxiety. And so she sent me to a counsellor and we did some sessions about what turned out to be um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I had to look back and realise that past, um, past incidents had given me mild post-traumatic stress disorder, which is very common. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I went into that phase, um, you know, forget the discussion. I would just, you know, put the blue light on my head, run around saying, you know, you mustn't do this, you mustn't do that. Which is the last thing teenagers need because they need space, they need calm. Um, so I had to recognise that I was actually stirring things up with my sort of panic. And I had to learn to kind of calm down, grow up and talk to them like a grown-up so that they could make their own grown-up decisions. So, um, but that was very hard for me to do. It's very hard for me to say, 
I got to go and see the doctor, and then I got to go and talk to a counsellor. Mm-hmm. You know, I that was that was quite embarrassing for me, but it was very necessary at that stage. So now I do um, I help out a bit on something called the parenting course and the marriage course, um, which is run by the church, and that has brilliant techniques for communication skills if you've got teenagers or in a marriage. And these are all skills that you can learn and develop. But it's quite, it's important to take the first step and, you know, make sure you have those skills as a parent or in a marriage um, and not get sort of caught like a fly in the bottle mm. in your own feelings about, which you know, might be coming just from the past. So... So, I'd, if anything, I'd just love it if everybody, you know, sort of felt, oh, yeah, I'm feeling this and I could make it better just by talking to somebody, getting mm. some help. And that's so important. That's such a great tip to our, our listeners, Elizabeth, that um, being able to talk to, to somebody. And it, it's like we all have the choice of being in two camps. And that first camp, like you said, listening to the self-talk, and literally having the panic and the anxiety and you start playing those thoughts of what should I do or I should have done or I would have if I if only and all those those um, the self-talk negative things that take place or you can choose to go to the next camp and that is what now do I go get help do I have someone to talk to but it seems over and over again, especially if you're dealing with post-traumatic stress, that uh, people think, oh, I, I can handle this on my own. Just out of, like you said, you're embarrassed. You don't, you don't want to tell anyone your, your problems. And to be able to give our listeners out there just permission that if you're feeling this, this stress and this anxiety and um, having this negative self-talk to really, uh, we just encourage you to go talk to somebody well and elizabeth we have we have less than two minutes till we have to to uh go into a commercial break so quickly how can our listeners find more information about you and about the book the sea house we've also have it on our homepage at girlfriendit.com um a link but how can they learn more about who you are and and your other books uh yes thank you it's on my website which is elizabeth Gifford.com, Elizabeth with an S. Um, or you can find that link through Amazon or on Facebook um, or on Pinterest. So all those have got uh, links back to each other. Yeah, I'd love, love to hear from people. That would be great. Well, um, we just have so enjoyed having you on our show today and listening to the profound um, wisdom and, you know, the challenge of really um, believing you know, the story you believe about yourself and, and how it shapes who you are and, and the challenge to grow up. <laughs> I, I just like that. It's like, you know, at some point you have to say, I have to grow up now. And, and doing the steps, whether you need to talk to somebody or whatever you need to do to, to be a grown up and to have the courage. And you have shown bravery and courage. So thank you. Well, we're going to take a quick thank break. You. And when we return, we're going to continue this conversation of transformation and redemption with our guest, Vanessa Pugh. We'll be right back.
This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Are you ready to start rocking that woohoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woohoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woohoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we have been having just such a great conversation about transformation and redemption and just the power of love to change. And so now we have our guest, Vanessa Pugh, joining us. And she's from our partner ministry called Bloom. And Bloom is a dynamic group of girlfriends who all share the same life experience of being church planning pastor's wife. And Bloom is also a part of Stadia, which is a church planning organization helping to launch churches globally. Well, the ministry of Bloom, we just love it so much. It's so significant as it provides inspiration, encouragement, and resources for planter spouses so they can provide the same to their families families, staffs, and churches. Well, Vanessa Pugh is married to Scott, who is a lead pastor with Velocity Church in Cleveland, Ohio, which they started in 2009. And together they continue to serve the city in every way possible, and they truly believe God is up to something amazing in Cleveland. Well, Vanessa also serves as a leader with Bloom, and her impact and influence are far-reaching. Well, I got to say, too, on a personal note, Vanessa is also the one who introduced me, um, and I don't know whether to say thank you or not, to, uh, to Dunkin' Donuts Blueberry Coffee while we were at the Exponential <laughs> conference in Florida. So welcome, my coffee friend. Oh, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, you are welcome. It is, it is <laughs> no, just the nectar of the gods. Blueberry coffee is fantastic. It really is. And I think I've gotten Patty on to Blueberry too. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. yes so. I noticed that for email that you, you brought her over as well. Well done. Yes, yes. So we, we thank you. So you, we have been talking today, like I said, about, you know, the transformation and redemption. And, and a lot of times you look at it and you go, 
can, can somebody really change? And is change really possible? And a lot of times when we look at our own lives, we're like, I don't, I can see it for other people, but I don't know if it's possible for me. And those before and after stories, the Cinderella stories, whatever. But this topic of, of redemption and transformation is very real to you and, and very personal because you really have experienced the power of transformation in your life and what, and what God can really do in a person's life when they surrender. So let's have you, can you just explain that to us? And then we're going to just kind of, you know, unpack that as we go. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, for me, the transformation is 100% real and can only be attributed to my relationship with God. I mean, there's really no other explanation. I, I really can't say that any of this, you know, was overcome in my own power because to be able to do that, I didn't even know how that would happen. So um, just to rewind real quick, <clears throat> um, I grew up in um, Akron, Ohio, and I come from a wonderful family. My parents are still married after 40-some years. I have an older sister. Um, but growing up, um, my parents, they never took us to church, um, ever. I mean, we didn't even go Christmas, Easter, anything like that. So I had absolutely zero um, godly influence in my life growing up. And where I grew up, um, a lot of times, and I don't know how other people grew up, but back in the 80s, it was kind of a wild free-for-all. We kind of, we spent a lot of time, you know, running around outside unsupervised, just playing, you know, getting into stuff in the neighborhoods and things like that. So you learn at a really young age to, you know, resolve your own differences, whether it's in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. You know, you learn how to um, kind of deceptively get away with things that you're curious about. Um, so this started off for me at a very young age because all the kids in my neighborhood were older. So I ran around with older kids. Um, <clears throat> but as I got a little bit older, what I realized was, um, which to me was just what was normal, is I got picked on a lot by all the older kids. And when you get picked on a lot, you either shrink and disappear or you toughen up and kind of make your presence known. And that was the route that I took uh, from a young age. Probably uh, the first time I remember getting my first fist fight was in fourth grade. And from then on out, that's kind of became what my identity was. I was a tough girl, you know, and I loved the respect I got from that. I loved the attention that I got from boys for being a tough girl. Um, so at a very young age, that kind of started off on who I was. So, I mean, just to kind of give you a, <laughs> a starting point. And then on through middle school, um, you know, that continues. And that kind of catapults you into the popular crowd, you know, because you have this ability to control other people even though it wasn't in a healthy way. Um, and then in middle school, I realized I was an athlete. So as I started playing sports, again, that put me in the circle of older kids because even through high school, I played all varsity sports. So all the way from, you know, second and third grade, all the way through high school, um, that's kind of who I was. It was a slippery slope that was um, just became my identity, you know, whether you wanted that to be or not. I always had leadership abilities like even on my teams I was always team captains and you know underclassmen always looked up to me and things like that so I always had leadership potential but I never used it for good mm -hmm. um, and then when I graduated high school went on to college um, I had pretty much had all my fun so when I got to college I was not prepared at all to be a college student you know as far as academics as far as maturity level I mean none of that I wasn't prepared for any of that so after my first year of college um, I dropped out and found myself just sitting at rock bottom, rock bottom, wondering what in the world am I supposed to do now? 
So it's, okay, <clears throat> you know, well, a couple things I'm going to say here is like I, I'm learning what we don't mess with you because you, you know, your first fist fight. I think uh, I think Lisa thought I could have taken her in seventh grade. You know what? I think you could have given her a pretty good match. I, I do. <laughs> I listen to oh, like, you could knock wow. me over with a feather these days. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest softy now. Like I, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, I know. I would never. I'm listening to this with my mouth open, going, Vanessa, you did that. Because yeah. it's like knowing. Talk about transformation. Knowing you today, I'm like, really? That that's who you were. And it's so funny and to listen to this because, like, um, you know, we were talking about Elizabeth earlier about you know just going into our past and identifying. But you, if you start to see patterns in our past. And mm -hmm. how they, they really shape and, and, and they really kind of go with us. And how do you even change those? And, and the transformation, you really can see the transformation from. Well, and, yeah. and you know, too, um, Vanessa, just hearing your story, I, I just think for listeners out there, you do have to go back in your past and be able to, um, you made a comment about you were a, a leader. You just were going down the wrong path. And I think it's, mm -hmm. it's, even if you don't, if you don't write things out and people go, Oh, I can't journal, maybe even to sketch like three or four defining moments in your life where you can mm -hmm. go back and go, aha, that is why I went in this direction. Yes. It was because sure. I did hang out with all these, the older kids and, and sometimes we become who we are, just like you said, just because of the the environment around us. And mm -hmm. I, I was laughing when you said that. When I was in junior high, my, my dad was a cop. And um, hopefully he's not listening right now to the show. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to call him. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening. Hi, Dad. Um, but... The, the the kids um, I, I hung out with the older ones as well, and since my dad was a cop, they um, would roll their marijuana joints and put it in my bicycle because <laughs> they would know no one's going to check Patty's bike. And um, oh, you know, I I didn't do any of that because I did have so, I I grew up in a really neat godly home, fortunately, but you hang out with the kids that did because that's who that's who was in your neighborhood that you could hang out with. And it's interesting, had I not had Christ in my home, what path I would have chosen. You know, we're just, we're the opposites there of hanging out with the same group, you know, doing sports and all that, but yet having that um, Christian influence changes everything. Mm -hmm. So tell us then, now you're, you're in college. So then what starts taking place? Um, well, after I dropped, dropped out, of, out college, of college, yeah, yeah, I, I finished my first year, but after my first year, I decided I wasn't going to go back. So <clears throat> I got a job at a, just a small little family owned packaging company around the corner from my house. And what I found at my new job was, um, everybody who worked at my new job, they all went to church together. So, you know, I come in as this, you know, rough and tumble 19 year old kid, you know, 18 year old kid. And actually I was 19 at the time. And, uh, I just start hearing, you know, religious talk for the first time, you know, but unfortunately the people that I worked with, um, they, they were very condemning. They were very judgmental. They were very, um, self-righteous and it was ugly. It was ugly. I didn't like it. You know, I had gone from, you know, being surrounded by nobody, nobody followed Jesus <laughs> when my life growing up, you know what I mean? Like nobody I knew, nobody shared it. Nobody talked about it. So to work with these people, all of a sudden, you know, you're in close quarters, you're, you know, you're working in a small company where they all, they're all on the same team and you're obviously not. Mm. And, um, I just remember feeling like, my gosh, is this really what God thinks about me? Is this really, is this really 
who God is, because honestly, if this is who he is, I surely don't want any part of this. So I called um, after after one weekend at work. I called um, a couple of my friends. I knew two people who went to church, and they were the only people I knew in the world I could call and just ask, like, hey, what can you explain this to me? Can you, can you talk to me about this? And they were shocked that I called, um, but they came and picked me up, and they listened to me, you know, kind of tell them what was going on at work. And then, um, and then they told me the truth, you know, then they told me that, that God knows me. He knows everything about me. He loves me and he wants my life. And that's the first time that I had ever heard it. And I couldn't believe that I was 19 years old. And that's the first time Mm. I had ever heard that. And that day I accepted Jesus that day. And I didn't know what that meant at first. I didn't know what that looked like. I swear, I, I, I anticipated, like, is somebody going to, like, jump out from behind a tree and, like, throw confetti and balloon? I was like, yeah, she's there. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, I and when it was just. I if I was there, Vanessa, I would have done that. <laughs> well, it was strange because, you know, you make that decision to take, a, you know, a step towards Jesus. And it, that's exactly what it is. It's just a decision mm-hmm. to accept it and go. So I, but I didn't understand, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know much other than, I believe this, and whoever this Jesus person is, that this is really how he feels about me, I want to get to know him. Well, you know, my life. It's interesting when you talk about that, though, Vanessa, because, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you, you've led someone to the Lord, and, and you because of those emotions you just had, don't you sometimes when you are leading someone else to the Lord, you want for them to have that emotion? Because people hear of, oh, you know, you're going to be transformed in Christ and behold, uh-huh. you become a new creation. <laughs> and so when uh-huh. you when you go through and, and the salvation plan and you, you know, do the sinner's prayer, you do want that for them. You want to be uh-huh. like, don't you feel it? Aren't you excited? And they're staring uh-huh. at you like, uh-huh. <laughs> well, we have one more minute till we go into a commercial uh, break. So Vanessa, just in closing up just that story, because we want to continue this on um, as we come back from the commercial, what would be a tip for you as you are sharing Christ with someone in that situation? Now we have 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Okay. Uh, 30 <laughs> seconds. Be realistic. Be realistic when you, mm-hmm. when you share that with them. It's not going to be this emotional overnight transformation. It's going to be um, a yes. It's going to be, I believe. It's going to be, I receive your spirit. And then that will start working. And that is a great way to end our segment and get ready for the next one. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. 
Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Familia, faith, identity, tradición. Latina life is never boring, but it can be muy dramática. So how do you coexist between the old school ways of la abuela and the new school life you're creating for yourself? Without losing your faith, familia, identity, or tradiciones? Welcome to Living Latina with Francesca Escoto, where culture curls and curves collide in one spicy cross-cultural conversation that will leave you begging for mas. Francesca tackles all the important issues, from politics to family values, to religion to, you guessed it, relationships and men. As Chief Everything Officer at the WOW Factor, Francesca is passionate about showing women of all cultures, ages, and lifestyles how to rock what they've got with style, sass, and smarts. Be sure to join her every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for Living Latina, only on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are back with our guest, Vanessa Pugh, from our partner ministry, Bloom. And Vanessa, we found a lot about you Um Basically, that that you could both t- you could take both Lisa and I on. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm really excited to meet you, um, in in face to face. But I love what we just left um, going into the commercial, and you were talking about a, a tip when you are sharing Christ, just being re- realistic, and um, just want to go back to that because I think that's that's so. Um, sometimes we get so caught up in, in the, the balloons and the hoopla of, um, when you are sharing Christ. And, and another thing, I also want to go back to, you made a comment that you felt judged by this group that you worked with. So, um, just go back there. I think it's interesting that you felt judged and yet you still move forward that Christ was working on your heart. Mm -hmm. Well, with the feeling judged part, I think, too. Part of it was my naivety as a 19-year-old kid, and because the tough girl was my identity, I didn't know what else to talk about. Hmm. That's, you know, that's who I was. That's, you know, hey, Vanessa, how was your weekend? It was good. You know, we went out and I got in a fight and it was, you know, or I tried to get in a fight and they wouldn't fight and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So then they just look at you in this complete horror and then, then I, you know, and like, you don't know anybody. And then you feel really, I mean, I'm, I'm a 19 year old kid. I feel stupid. You know what I mean? I felt small and insecure. And unfortunately, anytime I felt small and insecure, you know, aggression and intimidation is how I responded. Uh-huh. So I didn't, I didn't like the way that I felt. And I only lasted at that job two months. I had shared with the ladies of the bloom retreat that after, after receiving Christ, and I came back to work and told them, them what I had done, they didn't believe me. They asked me, who told you you were saved? 
And I said, well, my friend, yeah. And I said, well, my friends had, they explained that Jesus died to pay for my sin. And they said, well, what church do you go to? And like, literally it's been like 24 hours. I don't, you know what I mean? Like I, I barely know Jesus. And so it was, it was a very bad, bad environment. And I turned in my two week notice and they told me I could just go ahead and leave. And you know, it, you you could feel the love, right? Just yes, flowing was, from that place. It was, but you know what? I, and I, I, I will never forget what that felt like. I will never forget what that felt like. And I will, I, I, I don't ever forget what that feels like when I'm sharing Christ with a new believer. I have no expectation of what I think they should be or become because I take them exactly as they were because that's exactly what Jesus did to me. Mm. So actually, it actually has helped me immensely in my, in, in my life now. And that is such a great point because, and we were talking about this earlier, is, um, you, you know, there's so many different, for lack of a better word, brands of Christianity and mm-hmm. religion, let's just say religion, and instead of it's this relationship of incredible relationship of love and grace and mercy and transformation. And, and too many times the church at large, our people want to make it about the rules and mm-hmm. the regulations of it. And you see so many people that, um, that are coming back to Christ and have been so wounded in the name of religion by mm-hmm. a church or by like what you're saying, you could have been deeply wounded going, I don't want to have anything to do with it because we project um, what we see in people onto Christ. And I, I know, you know, it's look at and Jesus must be shaking his head so many times going, no, 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 you don't get it. But it's a yeah. challenge to all of us to go, how are we reflecting Christ? Are we reflecting in that way? And, and then even as we're having conversations with people, we have, to, you know, just being aware of the if their past and and the woundedness that might be there and overcoming that and I'm sure as a church planting, um, in church planting and dealing in, with the community, that's that's quite a challenge. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, I mean, it, yeah. Dealing with people's perception or how they've been treated in the past and to go, okay, that's not who we are. That's not what we believe. And just even um, like you saying, just being real with people. This is really this is the real story here. So yeah, how do and you... one the thing about people too, you can't. I can't tell you what to expect when you accept Christ. I can't tell you what your transfa- transformation is going to look like. That mm-hmm. I, if if I were to even attempt to speculate, I'd be wrong because if somebody would told me that day, six months from now, you're going to meet a man and you're going to marry him and he's going to be a pastor and you're going to be a pastor's wife, there's no possible way my friends who just share the gospel with me would have any idea that God would entrust me with His work. So yeah, I can't say, and I, and I wouldn't shrink it and be like, well, you know, when you when you accept Jesus, you're going to quit smoking, and you're probably going to stop cussing. I don't know what your transformation is going to look like. You mm-hmm. could blow the roof off of this thing. I mean, you remember when, you know, Andrew went back and got Peter and said, come here, I found the Christ. That was He went back and got his brother, and he ended up being one of the most significant apostles in Scripture. So I can't tell you what your transformation is going to look like. All I can tell you is that there's a Jesus that loves you, and wants to do amazing things if you'll let him. And there's so much freedom in that. And that is such a great distinction as, as letting God be a part of somebody's story and not putting them in a box and having, mm-hmm. we want to project expectations of people. Okay. Now that you've said this, now here's what we want you to do. And here's what's going to happen. And so we start putting them in a box immediately instead of letting God's spirit just work on them. And, and we also want to put a timeline on it, on it. Like yeah. you're going to, you're going to quit this or you're going to do this in this uh-huh. amount of time. And 
I, I, you know, just being aware that the tendency that I think we all can do that if we're not like on top of it or just the church at large tends to do that, you know, to people Mm -hmm. and being aware of that. And Mm -hmm. that's destructive. There's nothing constructive about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are talking about this whole transformation? Because, uh, you know, earlier the um, Elizabeth said it, it takes courage you know, to really go, because when you start the process of transformation, there's, there's changes that need to be made, um, in your soul and your spirit and your heart in, in, um, in your lifestyle, you know, maybe some things need to be deleted as you, you know, and as God reveals things to you, where, how was that process for you? And what do you see with other people just to encourage people, especially women, you know, how do I start that, you know, really, be all in in the process with my eyes wide open, but ready to change? Um, Well, first off, I would say it is a long process. It is a long, I would say I was seven or eight years into active ministry with my husband, hiding the old Vanessa as best I could, you know, trying to get a fair shake, you know, having no one judge who she was to who she is now. Like I didn't want anyone to know about the old Vanessa. So I, for a long time, she hid. For a long time, I kept her hidden. And and that was exhausting, you know. And I knew after so much time and unconditional love for my husband, and as I grew in my relationship with Jesus, I understood that um, just because it happened to me doesn't give you permission to capitalize on what I've done. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. people are going to do that. People are going to say, well, you did it. Okay, that's going to happen always. That's always going to happen. But someone's going to look at your story and say, and you overcame that? Mm-hmm. And you survived that? And, and this is you now? So you, I c- couldn't let the fear of leverage, you know, kind of control me anymore. It, it was what it was. And there's a lot of my story that I don't share. I said, you know, one of the items on my bucket list is to write a memoir, but I have to wait till everybody dies <laughs> to write the book. <laughs> write the book, you know? So it's a very long process, but you have to be willing. You have to be willing to grow. And one of the turning points for me is when we left our last established church to come to Cleveland to plant this new church, I made a deal with myself that Vanessa was moving to Cleveland. Love her, hate her, whatever. She's moving to Cleveland, not the pastor's wife. I will no longer be what anybody else tells me I have to be. I'm going to be exactly what God wants me to be. And there was a passage of scripture that I read one day, and literally, I bawled my eyes out when I read it. It was First Timothy one twelve through seventeen, and it talks about um, <clears throat> Paul talks about. Um, it says, "I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has given me strength that He considers me faithful, appointing me to His service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief." That floored me because that's, that was exactly what you you let me work in ministry, even though that's who I was, because you knew I, I didn't know any better. And you mm-hmm. forgave me for that. And it goes on to say that the grace of the Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, because Christ came into the world to save sinners of who I was the worst. And a lot of people knew that too. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. So for me, the fact that he wants to use me as an example for others, that is the most humbling honor 
I've ever been asked to do, and I will forever be used however he wants me to because of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those are, you know, it, I, I, it's so cool how God will give each of us like a scripture, a thought, and an experience that's so deeply personal that it just changes, you know, and, and we just see it's like an aha moment um, mm-hmm. where you go, okay, I, I see it differently now. And, and it's like, it's reframing your life, your story, your perception, and, and then going forward new. And um, you did what so many of us do um, is that hide, you know, we hide our story, mm-hmm. we hide ourselves. Sure. And we even hide it from ourselves because we don't really want to admit to ourselves and see that. And so we just, you know, we, that's when we take on so many destructive behaviors because we're trying to mask it. Well, and I'm not proud of the old Vanessa. That's the one thing that I I don't ever want to communicate. I'm not proud of her. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, like, being a tough girl is not a badge of honor for me. I hurt a lot of people. I hurt a lot of innocent people just because I had to keep up with my persona. So I don't, I don't wear that with pride, but I do own that Christ will redeem what you, you know, what you surrender to him. Mm-hmm. So I, and I also, I, the uh, verse in Revelation twelve three that tells us that, you know, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I mean, that's in scripture, like who you were prior to knowing the Lord and who you are now, that's how you overcome the enemy. And so when I read that, I just, like I said, I just, I took ownership of who I was and I will allow God to use my transformation to encourage and to help and to um, motivate anybody to just step into who God is turning them into and own it. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us. Unfortunately, we have to go. And I think the message, God does redeem, and he restores, and he transforms. And you've been such an encouragement to so many of us. Thanks for joining our show. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the